Investigators, this is a case about a famous Elvis impersonator and his beauty queen girlfriend murdered, execution style in broad daylight in the Las Vegas mansion they called Mini Graceland. When their bullet-riddled bodies were found in the house October 1993, the tale proved an irresistible lure for national tabloid TV shows. Dana McKay was an absolute genius. But he was best known as Elvis, a popular Vegas nightclub performer. To this day, the case remains cold. No one has ever been arrested. There is no persons of interest and no known motive. But there are a few theories as to why someone may want them dead. I spoke with family members of the victims. My dad was telling people before he died, you know, if something happens to me, this person is responsible. I also spoke with Las Vegas Metro Police about the investigation. Before we dive into the case, I want to let you know that the content is for mature audiences and still might not be for everyone. I also want to remind you that I have a special shout out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. So please subscribe, rate five star, and write a review. More on that after the case. The murders of Dana McKay and Mary Huffman. Investigators, you're on deadline. From the social distancing studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline, a podcast discussing cold cases, murder, mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now your host, a man who sings happy birthday twice when washing his hands, Mr. Mystery himself, Matt Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Announcer Man, and thank you, investigators, for joining me for episode 29, Murder of the Las Vegas Elvis at Mini Graceland. It's a case that I've been looking into for quite a few years. It's a strange one, because everyone who I've talked to who knows something about the case, they no longer want to go on record. They are scared, and they don't want their name back out there. They worry someone will come after them. But the victims' families, they tell me they desperately want justice. So for this case, it's a bit of a call to action. Share the episode, and let's get the word out. Now, this crime takes place in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, in view of the neon lights and famous Sin City skyline. Some of the best performers in the world take residence here. Celine, Cher, Elton, Brittany. And there's also a group of headliners who perform as someone else. And it wouldn't be Vegas without Elvis. In 1993, 37-year-old Dana Christopher McKay looked exactly like Elvis, young, cute Elvis, down to the dark hair, the same lips, those sideburns, and gold glasses. He headlined at the Dunes, and then moved over to the Imperial Palace as the first-ever Elvis performing in Legends in Concert. When he died, the tabloids called him America's first Elvis. He was that good, because when he sang, he sounded just like the king. And he also played the king in the movie, This Is Elvis. Performing as the king was a dream come true. Like his idol, Dana had a lot of leading ladies as well, including the woman he was dating at the time of their murder, 49-year-old Mary Linda Huffman. Mary was a divorced former beauty queen, light blonde curly hair, big eyes, former Mrs. Nevada, who lived with Dana in the house they would be killed in called Mini Graceland. Mini Graceland was a sprawling fixer-upper stucco mansion with a view from the pool of the Las Vegas Strip. Inside 3624 Edmond Street is four bedrooms, a huge kitchen, game room, 
family room, staircase, and six bathrooms. According to Zillow's, it's 3,600 square feet, and the last time it sold was about two years ago for a million and a half. I'll post photos of the mansion on my website, truecrimedeadline.com. Now out front, there's huge gates and a circle drive and lots of palm trees. You could actually picture the king himself if he were still alive. He'd live in a place like this. But back in 1993, at the time Dana owned it, the grounds needed a little work. In the interior, a little TLC. But it had a recording studio upstairs and room on the property for Dana to store his plants for his budding palm tree business that he was trying to get off the ground. That's right. He was looking to get out of the spotlight and wanted to be the top supplier of palm trees for the Las Vegas Valley. At the time, Las Vegas Boulevard, if you can imagine, didn't have many palm trees. And Clark County and the city of Las Vegas were looking for a contractor, and Dana was in the running. In 1992, one year before his murder, Dana partnered with Tim Stone Street for financial backing. Tim was a millionaire and well-known businessman in town. Dana had a supplier and contacts in California for discount trees that they could use for the Las Vegas Strip Beautification Project. He just needed the money to get them here and the heavy-duty power equipment needed to move and plant the trees. So the two friends formed Paradise Palms Company and bought more than $100,000 in landscaping equipment, including a backhoe, storage trailer, and crane equipment. But something happened. And about five months after they made a partnership, the business partners became enemies, fighting over the business and the power equipment in court. Dana represented himself. Stone Street hired an attorney from Goodman and Chesnoff. And if that name sounds familiar, it should. Oscar Goodman became the mayor of Las Vegas in 1999. Today, his wife Carolyn Goodman is the current mayor of Sin City. This court case was bitter. In court documents, McKay wrote this, quote, In retrospect, it appeared that all Tim was trying to do was obtain my contacts for trees, learn my expertise, and establish his own palm tree company. At one point, Las Vegas Metro responded to Mini Graceland to remove the landscaping equipment, but they left empty-handed. McKay told his best friend Danny Coker, who you know from Pawn Stars and Counting Cars, that he had information that will help him win the case and that he can finally move on. But before he could go to court and present whatever it was, he was murdered. On October 30th, 1993, Elvis impersonator Dana McKay and his beauty queen girlfriend Mary Huffman were found dead. Las Vegas Metro officers on patrol were dispatched to Minnie Graceland on Edmond Street. A concerned friend who hadn't heard from the couple in a few days wanted police to do a welfare check. So the officers pulled up past those big gates and in the long circle driveway and noticed the huge double doors of the mansion open. The couple were in the front entrance of the home, dead on the floor, surrounded by groceries and blood. T-bone steaks, bananas, spoiled milk, mints, and laundry detergent was scattered everywhere. The house appeared to be ransacked. That's what was reported at first. And at first, police thought the couple walked in on a burglary in progress. But Dana's best friend, Coker, told a local news station back in 2009 that there was nothing missing from the house. What was missing was a manila folder Dana carried with him at all times. Coker told KLS-TV 
There was money, jewelry, in the house. But again, the only thing missing was this folder. Nothing valuable to a burglar. There was money in the house. There was jewelry in the house. All of it was in the house. The only thing that was MIA was the file. So if it was burglars, they weren't very good burglars? Well, you know, I don't know what's valuable to a, a burglar on somebody's paperwork. You know, you can't go down to the pawn shop and, and, and sell that. The couple had been shot execution style several times at close range, and some thought maybe it was a drug deal gone bad. But family and friends, they pushed back. They told police that Dana hardly even drank. There was no drugs in his house and none in his system, according to the toxicology report. They keep pointing to that file that was stolen from Dana's body at the time he was murdered. What were the documents that he was carrying? What was he going to tell the judge to end the bitter legal fight with his ex-business partner, Tim Stone Street? Stone Street's attorney told Las Vegas reporters in 2009 that he had been cleared of any involvement in the murders. Stone Street was in Aruba when the murders occurred, and maybe police should look into Dana's drug connections. We should also note that Stone Street has never been named a suspect or person of interest by police, according to my research. And speaking of research, there are a few other theories floating out there about this case. That maybe this was a murder-for-hire case, or connected to a case involving casino mogul Steve Wynn. About 10 years ago, KLIS reported that detectives close to the case interviewed prison inmates and asked them about someone being paid to kill Dana. They said it looked like a professional hit job. So could it be connected to organized crime? A Las Vegas homicide detective, close to the case, George Sherwood, told reporters that there were clear signs that someone was lying in wait. Or did Dana somehow get caught up in another high-profile case two months before he died? See, he was a longtime Las Vegas headliner and probably ran in the same circles as casino owners like Steve Wynn. In 1993, three men kidnapped Kevy Wynn, daughter of Steve Wynn, and held her for ransom. Well, those guys went to prison, but some have speculated that there could have been a fourth suspect who got away, and maybe got to Dana. I reached out to the Las Vegas Metro Police about the case. I wanted to ask them about those theories and see if there was any new information I could share with you. They wrote me back after a lengthy Freedom of Information request that said, quote, this. Law enforcement files are confidential when pertaining to a pending or anticipated criminal proceeding. It goes on to say, the records that you seek pertain to an open criminal investigation. LVMPD's interest in non-disclosure clearly outweighs the public's interest in access. Thus, they are confidential and must be withheld or redacted. Well, that's interesting that they included the part that said, pending or anticipated criminal proceeding. Hopefully, we get answers soon. Now, I also reached out to both Dana and Mary's families. They're both afraid to speak out right now, but they told me that they are frustrated that the case hasn't been solved. This is what Dana's daughter told KLIS about 10 years ago. I know exactly who did it, and I know that the cops know exactly who did it, but he's he's allowed to get away with it because of his connections. My dad was telling people before he died, you know, if something happens to me, this person is responsible. Again, anyone with information in the unsolved, brutal murders of Dana McKay and Mary Huffman are urged to call the Las Vegas Metro Homicide Cold Case Detail at 702-828-COLD, C-O-L-D. I'll post video and pictures of the case on my website, truecrimedeadline.com, 
And also check out my YouTube channel, Twitter, and Facebook page under the same name. Investigators, until next time. Thank you for investigating True Crime Deadline with Matt Johnson. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com. And remember, all tips regarding a case should go to the police. Until next time. Mr. Gatsby, want a cookie? Good boy. Now a post-episode shout-out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. This one comes from the host of Malice, the podcast. She writes, must listen. It's hard to stand out in true crime podcasting, but Matt absolutely does. This show has everything that you could want in the highest quality. I can't recommend it enough. Keep it coming. I'm hooked. Love and rage. Ariel Malice. Um, First off, thank you. Secondly, go hit subscribe on her podcast. Um, Again, writing reviews really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. It's easy. It's free. Just hit five star, subscribe, tell a friend, write a review, and include your real name and your podcast name if you're a podcaster. Again, investigators, thank you. Until next time.